Hey there, friend, and welcome to the Self Love for Breakfast podcast, where we have honest conversations about health, wellness, self-care, and of course, self-love with amazing women who aren't afraid to give it to us straight. Real life, real advice, and no BS. I'm your host, Crystal Rose, and today I'm serving self-love for breakfast. Hello, and welcome back to the Self-Love for Breakfast podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Rose. I'm so happy you guys are here today because I have such a special guest. Like, I'm like so excited to share her with you guys. So uh, Julie is actually, um, she was my former business partner and we had this amazing heart-wrenching, like hard business together, um, the Indie Chicks. And we co-owned that together with another partner. Um, We had a print magazine that went not only national bookstore distribution, it also went international. We had a run in Australia uh, we did a lot of amazing things together. And and it's so funny because Julie and I, when we first, I think when we first started working together, we butted heads a little bit and we didn't get each other. It was more so we just didn't, we didn't get each other. We're very, very different people. Um, but over the course of our time together, uh, we just clicked and we became really good friends. And when we dissolved our company, it was very, very sad, but you know, we, we kept in touch. We are still friends. We still talk. So Julie is a now uh, two-time published author, um, and she is the YouTube YouTuber. <laughs> I don't know what they call it. Um, of pages and pens. Um, she also does editing, and she is just such an amazing human. I know you guys are going to love her, Julie Zantopoulos. Welcome to the Self Love for Breakfast podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yes. So we do this little initiation called goals, gratitude, and badassery. And we're going to start with goals. So right now, what's your goal or goals, current goals? My current goal right now is fast drafting books two and three of the series that I just published book one in. So I am trying to fast draft both of those books and stop myself from wanting to go back in and edit and perfect. <laughs> just mm move straight through trying to get both of those done um, so that I can have a full story arc and then go back and edit book two. Love it. All right. And gratitude. What are you grateful for? I am incredibly grateful for the support and the community that I've built around me over time and attention um, and just like the trust that I have with my online community, my friends, my family has been like priceless lately as I work through a lot of stuff that's new to me. Mm, yeah. And badassery. What have you done recently? That is pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, publishing a book was pretty huge. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else has been like super crazy badass. I probably just that, like, it's so like forefront in my mind. I ran like a a really successful pre-order launch campaign, which like marketing for me is not something that I'm naturally great at. I started like a newsletter um, automation system and just started building my newsletter. So like I did all these like businessy side of authoring that wasn't writing, that was not natural for me, like didn't come super naturally. So I'm pretty 
proud of that. That is pretty badass. I mean, and the book is like, that can be more than enough. That's, that's super, super badass. (laughs) Thank you. I love it. So let's, let's dig in. So let's talk, actually, let's talk about the community. Like you have a pretty Mm. solid YouTube channel. I mean, I I showed it to my husband because he started his and I was like, oh, Julie has one. And you have like over 10,000 subscribers. And I was like, dang, Julie, like this isn't (laughs) just like a little, you know, you're not just talking to your grandma over there. So (laughs) So I'm not. Yeah. Tell me about that. Like, like starting that channel, like what was your kind of like, you know, like the drive behind it. And then obviously it's serving you now. So talk a little bit about that. It is. It's been a serious blessing because I started it after the Indie Chicks broke up. And I I think during the Indie Chicks realized how much I thrived being busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, I've taken like personality tests, the Clifton Strengths test. I don't know if you, you know about it, but mm-hmm. like I've identified my strengths and like one of them is um, achiever. It's like learner achiever, like learning something new and then just like constantly mm-hmm. having goals. So I was like, I was floundering when we had nothing to do. I was like, I have nothing to edit. I don't have interns to manage. I have nothing to do. Like I need something to do with my time. Um, So I started the YouTube channel and it was phenomenal. I started off just talking about books that I was reading and then slowly integrated different things that I was doing for like author stuff. So writing vlogs or things about my book. And what was crazy about that is that it it grew really fast the first year. By the time my first year on YouTube was over, I had 5,000 subscribers. And then YouTube algorithms changed. And I just, I'm not sure exactly what happened. But since then, like, I've grown, but, you know, kind of capped off. And I'm continuing to grow a little bit more now. But I've built a fantastic base before I even realized how important that was. Like, I mean, yeah. from the NHX, how important that was. But I had like an ingrained community of people that were super invested in this story. They saw it from the very first draft. And I rewrote this thing three times. Mm-hmm. I queried it, got the publishing deal, like did the whole nine yards. So being able to have them from the very, very first word of this book through publishing was like, not just my win, but their win. And I vlogged it and I was super transparent about all of it. So the community base is so strong. And I do every week, a Sunday writing sprint where we do like accountability and productivity. So everybody comes on from like 8 PM till about 10 PM. We do two 45 minute sprints, whether they're doing their planners, their meal preps, their reading, or they're getting like word count goals done. We just have accountability every single week. And that's been like another amazing. What? Like on YouTube? Like, yeah, we do them live. And then every time after the 45 minute sprint is over, I say, what did you get done? Like, and there's accountability there. So they're like in the comments, letting me know how that 45 minutes. It's really cool. And it like, there's the same people every week. And then some people will just find us like, I was looking to get some work done. And I found that you were like streaming and came in to like, hang out, like, thank you for helping me get some work done. So much fun. Um, yeah. So that's like a whole different community that's not necessarily the people that like watch my book reviews or even are invested in my writing journey, but they're coming there every week for accountability to get stuff done. So I've kind of like done different facets of YouTube and. Yeah. Um, I know you do. You were doing the makeup thing for a little bit too. Cause you're a, I was. You're yeah, an amazing little face beater. <laughs> 
that one died off. Uh, just there was no way to like conceivably have time to do both yeah. channels and other social medias and write books and read books. It was just. Yeah. It's hard when you're multi-passionate because you're like, I want to do everything. <laughs> and then it's like, it. every you can't do everything super well at all. <laughs> no. Unfortunately. No. Unfortunately. So yeah, let's like rewind back a little bit to like the ending mm-hmm. of, of the Indie Chicks. Cause like, oh, I know that was like really hard. I know you took it super, super hard. Um, and like, for me, it was like, I had had like, I think a little bit more time to like process that it was ending before you did um, just because of how things went down. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you know, I still had a really tough, like grieving process. Like I definitely, you know, even had this, like, what do I want to be when I grow up type? Like, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life and rebellion was still like not quite panning out yet. And it was like really hard. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of grief in that transition, even though I knew like things were going to be bigger and better and, you know, it'd be great. Um, so like, talk to me about that. Like, how did you just like take care of yourself through that process? It, uh, I don't, maybe not great. I, I did my best, right? Like it was, it was tough for me to give up the relationships, the community, and then also the part of my identity that Mm. so strongly believed in what we were doing and empowering women and the message that we were sending out there. Um, And again, like some of my other strengths that I've realized since then are like developer and maximizer and helping people like reach their goals and reach their dreams. And trying to like help people be better versions of themselves and whatever it is that their goals are. And that was a Mm -hmm. big part of my role when I was there. Um, And losing that was really tough because then if I wasn't helping other people and empowering other people, then like, what was I, what was I doing? Mm. And I really like, in a way, like I really got off on that. Like it really made me feel good at the end of the day. I was like, I did something today. Like I did something that meant something. So I had to find the next thing that meant something. And in that like interim, I just had to really sit. And like you said, like have like a, what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> kind of a moment, which I'm like, I'm a full blown adult that just <laughs> owned a business. Like I, <laughs> it wasn't like a tiny thing. I was like, how am I still having a crisis right now? Mm. But I did for a yeah. little bit, you know? Did you deal with resentment? I know I felt, I felt a lot, quite a bit of resentment for a while, just like over the whole thing, just like not panning out. I think even just as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did. I had a lot of anger and a lot of resentment and a lot of guilt. You know, Mm. I felt like even though my family and friends like willingly and joyfully put like time, money, and energy into the company when we were fundraising or doing Mm. different things, like the fact that it then failed, I was like, oh man, (laughs) Mm, (laughs) it ate me up. It ate me up. And I think I would have probably kept just driving myself into the ground to try to keep it going because I felt like that was what we should do. Right. We were helping people. So like, who cares if I wasn't sleeping or I wasn't, you know, getting anything else done. Like (laughs) it was helping people. So it's fine. It's okay. We cried every day for a while there. Like, (laughs) like when we were in like much, like in the thick of, 
just like getting the magazine onto shelves. Like we cried every single day and it was like, like it was normal for us. I think we just like felt like that's what business is, right? Like it should be this hard. It was so hard. (laughs) And I'm so glad we can laugh now because it was not funny at all at the time. (laughs) It really wasn't. I was up the mountains recently and remembering when we were up there and like your article went viral, we were watching the like the ticker go on different numbers and like being like, Oh yeah, this is great. <laughs> you know, like there was, there was ups, there was great moments. Oh, there totally. was a lot of like, you know, good times, but yeah, it was, um, it was tough. Yeah. I mean, nothing should have to be that tough. <laughs> no, no. I mean, like the whole thing was, and, and it's, it's interesting now. And and I love how you, you know, like it meant something, it really did. And I, mm-hmm. and for me, that was where I discovered like how much I love to empower women. Cause I didn't, it hadn't like clicked for me yet. Um, you know, and I'd work in marketing and even when I had like hundreds of girls, like working underneath me and I was like their boss and I like was very protective of them. And I made sure they knew that they came first over my clients and all of that. Like it was so important. I didn't, it didn't like women empowerment, like was not a thing. It like didn't really like click. Um, mm-hmm. and then when I joined the indie chicks, it was like, ah, like it was like I was home. It was like, oh no, I'm like meant to be doing this. I'm meant to be helping people like through all of this stuff and navigate this stuff. And we're doing this like together. It's not just like, it's, you know, it's not just like me, like, oh, I'm the leader and come along and follow me. It was like, no, I'm, I'm in this with you guys. And I'm like, I may be, you know, leading the way, but I'm, I'm figuring it out too. And so like, that's something I was able to take with me, you know, through everything else I do. Cause I'm like, everything else I do, if I'm not, supporting other women. I don't want to, fuck, I don't want to do it. I yep. won't do it. Right. Nope. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. That's a big part of too, why I'm glad that I had the YouTube channel and that people got to see a progression of me, like struggling really hard with the yeah. book and then like having some successes and then que- like being vulnerable and querying, which I like took them through and then like the successes. Cause they're like, it feels like if like I've watched you seriously struggle and then like do it. And now I know that like I can do it, you know, like, and that, yeah. I think that more than anything, when the book published and people, I started getting those comments and those messages, they're like, I, I can do this. Like this gave me so much like encouragement. And then it also kind of feels like my win. Cause I was there with you from like the beginning and like having that aspect of it, I was like, Oh, okay. It's like, kind of like, on a smaller scale, that same feeling. And then the productivity sprints where people can come and be accountable Mm -hmm. and I can push them. It's like kind of that same like feeling. And I was like, all right, I found my people and like where I like to push and encourage people. So yeah, it's so good. So uh, for those of you who are listening, who don't, when we keep saying that we're queering, I just want to kind of like, um, cause, cause it's like the book world. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Queer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, when you query, what that means is that you're basically writing a letter to an agent. And in a sense, you're basically begging them to <laughs> even look at a page of your book, right? Like you're giving them a synopsis. You're letting them know what your book is about. Um, you only have so many words to do this or they're like next because they get like a bazillion of these queries a day. And they're looking for like the next hot thing. And so it can be a very discouraging process because you can get like 
you can literally just get no in your face over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and it's not because you're a shit writer and it's not because like what you, your concept isn't good. It's because the industry on it. And at this point, the industry has changed so much that like, mm-hmm. it, it's like a literal needle in a friggin' haystack if an agent is going to take you on. And then it's an even smaller needle in a haystack that like a publisher will buy the book from the agent because that's what the agent does, right? They sell you to publishers. And then even then, if a publisher picks you up from an agent, there's no guarantee that your book will even be successful. Like I have had a friend, um, we actually have a friend, Julia, who did this and she got, she had like a bidding war. It was amazing for her, a bidding war over her book. And then her book like flopped. And that's just like, that's showbiz, baby. You know, (laughs) like that's how it goes. So the querying process can be for an author to be or an author like just really defeating. So tell me, mm-hmm. like, how much of that did you take to heart? Um, <laughs> as I know you. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> how much of that did you actually take to heart? And and how did you get through the rejection? Because you obviously mm-hmm. got rejected, not because your book is shit again, but because like, it, that's yeah. what happens. It's just what happens. So I'm like actually currently also querying another book. I mean, because you don't just ever have one if sure. you're trying to be a career writer. Sure. So the 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 fear over sending like that first batch because you send batches and batches and batches. Like mm-hmm. you test your query letter, you test your synopsis, you test your first pages by doing different batches. You never start with your dream agents. Like you kind of have like a system, right? When you're mm-hmm. querying. So. Man, when I wish someone told me moving. that back when I was querying. Don't do not do your dream agents first. Damn it. What? Don't do your dream agents first. No, like I would send like a batch to early responders, right? So people that respond super quick and I would just test my query letter. And then I do like, you know, test batches, then test your synopsis. Like once you know your query letter works, if you have some interest, then test mm. synopsis, test your first pages. Um, the process for A Curse and Ash, which I just published, was horrific. It was, um, not easy to like actually submit because I knew before submitting that I didn't have a very market friendly genre Mm -hmm. and, um, that I'd kind of like blended different genres. And I knew it was going to be a hard sell, especially for a debut author. So I kind of expected the rejection, but like everybody hopes that you're that like one shining star where they're like, yes, please. We need you. You're our next JK Rowling or whoever, (laughs) you know, (laughs) right. Like, please. Um, the rejections, I can't even tell you, they are so form. They're so formulaic and they are so like, I think kind just because you're in a creative world. So it was very much like, thank you for submitting your work. We're really sorry. This doesn't work for our list at this time, but remember, this is a very subjective industry. Well, what, what doesn't work for us might work for somebody else. Good luck with the rest of your querying. And that was pretty much like the standard across the board. Mm. Every now and then you would get like a little bit of a deviation, but they don't have the time to give feedback at that level. So you're not getting feedback. You're not getting critiques. You're not getting fixes. It's just like, this doesn't fit our list right now, or it's not quite what I'm looking for. Thank you so much for thinking of me. We wish you all the best. Remember it's subjective, like don't give up. And that was just kind of the standard, which made it really easy when you realize like it's super not personal. 
And mm-hmm. I think after the indie chicks and after like just the learning curve of like rejection and heartache and failure, <laughs> it's just like, okay, it's just another thing. Like it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> and then like keeping in mind that I don't want an agent who doesn't want me. Like I don't want somebody who's not passionate enough about my book to go and like excite, like be excited to sell it. Yeah. Like. I want somebody who wants to work with me. And if that wasn't happening, then that's fine. Like I want somebody who's like enthusiastic about working with me. Mm. So when I looked at it from that lens, I'm like, okay, well, they weren't, they weren't the one that's fine. You know, I'll find a place for it. And then the, the contemporary that I'm querying, I've gotten like requests for full and I've gotten requests for partial and I've, somebody wanted me to like print it out and mail it to their house. (laughs) Yeah, that, that's like an old thing that people, they used to do that. So old day. school. It was yeah. an older agent and she was like in the heart of New York during COVID. And she was like, I'm not going out, like just mail it to me. And I was like, you got it. <laughs> um, so it was, it's, it's different, right? Like yeah. it, it's, it's so incredibly not personal. Yeah. So wh- what was the point that made you be like, all right, like, wh- like, cause you, you found a publisher Mm-hmm. So what was that like for you? Um, that was kind of like a last ditch effort, quite frankly. I started to submit to different like publishing contests and agenting um, like submission pitches. So like I would do like pitch wars or different Twitter things where you'd put out your synopsis or your tweet and see if any agents liked it and if anybody was interested. <clears throat> and then I just, I wasn't getting anywhere. So I had on one of those pitches gotten somebody who had liked my tweet and said, we're really interested in this book. Can you send us more information? I looked them up and I was like, uh, I'm not so sure. Um, did a little research on them, had some friends do some research on them and just kind of like poke around because they weren't a traditional publisher. They were a small indie publisher Mm -hmm. that was, author friendly, which basically means you pay up front for their services. So Mm -hmm. I paid up front for editors, um, developmental editors, line editors, copy editors, cover designers, marketing team, and like all that. So I, I pay up front and then they take nothing off the back end. Yeah. But I really struggled with a lot of imposter syndrome over like whether that was like a real publishing deal. I was like, is this the real thing? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you you mentioned that in your in your um in your video on on YouTube, mm-hmm. your long form. So, yeah, talk to me about that, the imposter syndrome around that, because I think that that's one super normal to feel that way, but also like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's also bullshit. But go ahead, it's <laughs> total bullshit. After all the work I put in, I'm like, oh no, that was pure crap. Like this is yeah. fine. Like this is definitely legit, but. I think that when you're a writer and you're trying to be an author, right? Like you're, you want that trad pub. You want somebody that takes over everything. You don't mm-hmm. pay for anything. You just earn off the back end, even though you earn like nothing off the back end right. most of the time. So I had to like really struggle through, do I even want to tell anybody about this? Mm-hmm. Is this actually a win or is this a settle? Like wh- what do I want to do here? And it basically came down to either this goes in a drawer and never sees the light of day how much do I want it? How much do I believe in this? And would I be happy if I put it away and it never got published? Um, and then just kind of reasoning with myself and being like, you know, 
it's, this is okay. This is still somebody who's invested in you, who wants to work with you, who saw something in this book. And at the end of the day, you're able to put this out and you don't have to piecemeal out all these different aspects to self-pub. Like it's, Mm. this is a really good option for me in the place that I'm in with this particular book, knowing that I might still trad pub other books. But that imposter syndrome really got me down for a while. And I needed to talk to like a legit amount of author friends and writer friends and be like, please tell me this isn't like a false win. And everybody was like, no, it's not. And it still (laughs) took me a while to kind of come around because in the back of my head, I had like family going, well, yeah, but if you've got to pay, then it's not actually like publishing. Like it's your family say that. No, but they did in my head. Oh, (laughs) I was like, what? You know, like, no, but they did in my head. And I was like, I can just see it now or like have somebody come and be like, well, it's not really like a, a real publishing deal or this or that, even though I have more control than I ever would have. I feel like anyone saying that is so sitting in the cheap seats. Like you're sitting in the cheap seats. Yeah. Throw them popcorn. And like I had to, I had to really get over that. And I'm like, well, there are also people that have probably like never done the damn thing. Right. And then it was the same kind of a, a feeling when people were like, well, I went into the bookstore and I didn't see you there. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not in the bookstore. Like I'm in like little tiny, like mom and pop ones around here that know me that I can guarantee people will come in and buy. But like it, all of publishing, most of publishing right now is like print on demand because Mm -hmm. the process of getting a book in store And then the amount of money that you bleed if those books don't sell and they have to destroy them and send them back and you have to pay and return their money for what doesn't sell and pay the shipping. Like, girl, (laughs) we did that that with the magazine. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I'm not doing it. It's not going to happen. So I had to kind of like rationalize with myself, anybody who's going to be upset that or have an opinion that like, I'm not in a bookstore. I they can't walk into a Barnes and Noble and buy it. They can order it for you. Um, or they can't, you know, that I, I had to pay up front, you know, I was yeah. like, if they have an opinion on that, that's their opinion. Like I'm, I just had to get to a point where I was like, I'm super proud of Good. how far I came and I don't, Good. I don't care. Oh, so. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Like, I mean, and it's very interesting too, cause like in the personal development world, right. Everyone pays to publish their books, like whether they're doing it self publish or like I am working with Tucker Max's publishing company and pay him, you know, I mean, shit, he's sitting on my money and I still haven't put out my book yet. <laughs> like someday, uh, you know, yeah. but it's like, uh, and not only that, like, and if you, you know, you guys that are listening, like the publishing industry is so different. It's so different than what we believe it to be. And Mm -hmm. there are actually a lot of authors that don't even actually write their book, like, especially like in the personal development world, they don't write their book. They, you know, do interviews or, you know, like, and someone else writes the book for them and it's under the person, you know, that you actually know. So like, you know, I mean, there's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw anyone under a bus, but there's like, (laughs) you know, these like more people than you think. Yeah. More, way more people than you think these big time people, especially, that have not literally written a single word in their book. They just, they haven't. And someone else has. So like to sit with like, you know, and and those people are valid, right? Like we still read the shit out of that. It still sounds like them. It's in their voice. Like it's like, you know, like complete alignment. Yeah. It's not tomfoolery. So like 
knowing that the industry is just, it's, it's different. Like there, there's not one way to skin a damn cat. Nope. (laughs) And they're all equally valid. And if you're reading a book and it's in your hands and you're enjoying it, like it doesn't matter how it got to you. Yeah. No, there's so many different roads to success. And I had to stop believing that there was only one right road. And I had to like accept that the road that I was on and the path that I chose was still like completely valid. And then really let any kind of like self-doubt and self-negative talk go. Um, Because a lot of it was internalized. A lot of it was me fearing what people might say. And then nobody ever said it. Like, yeah, (laughs) nobody. You know, it was, it was me going like bracing for what happens if that happens. I love that. How you said will that. I respond if that happens? And I'm like, <laughs> and then it never did. Yeah. I love that you said that though, because I think that happens in so many aspects of life for people that they're just, they don't do something because they're so afraid of what people will say and what people will think. And it's like, it sometimes it, that never even happens. It never even happens. Like, yeah, there's always a risk when you put yourself out there that someone will say something, you know, Mm -hmm. but most of the time it's just your fear talking and keeping you from living your fully expressed life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, having, um, having an online presence and being somebody who like did a, built a channel on book reviews, you know, like Mm. judging other people's work. (laughs) I was like, Oh man, I really opened myself up to some shit right here. (laughs) You know, like when my book comes out, if people don't, you know, like how dare she, you know, talk on this book when, you know, her book is this. And I was, I was bracing for it, but it was funny because I went back to an interview that I did while I was still at the Indie Chicks. And we were trying to get out there and promote ourselves and do interviews and, you know, do the the whole damn thing. And I, <laughs> there was so much of what I said in that, that reminded me of you because it was very much like I was sitting there and I was, you know, reading, rereading this print blog interview of me being like, you know, success happens outside your comfort zone. And <laughs> failure isn't a bad thing. Like, because success is a poor teacher and you're like, you're only going to learn, you're only going to grow. You're only going to like, actually, you know, do the thing. If you do the thing you're afraid of, and if you fail a little bit and I was a part of me was like, Oh my God, what were you saying? That's not what you actually believe. Like you hate failure. Like it sucks. And I was like, no, no, no. And I took a step back and I was like, of course you hate failure. Nobody loves failure, but it really is a good teacher. Like the book that I published was pure garbage. The first draft I did. And it was like 110,000 words of like word vomit. Mm -hmm. And then I rewrote it. And then I went, you know what? It's still not good enough. And I stepped back and I rewrote it again. And each one of those failures brought me to a much better book. And each one of those times I was like, maybe I can't do it. Maybe I just give up. Like, maybe this is not my thing. And then I kept pushing and I kept doing it. And like got to where I was. And I was like, Oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe like past Julie from like seven years ago, <laughs> had, you know, had something, to something. Maybe you didn't completely embody that at the time. And that's okay. But like future yeah. Julie, that was future Julie speaking through you. She was like, no, nah, bet she got this. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. And I was like, Oh, okay. I get you, it. I get you it. guys like so so one of the things that I think Julie and I initially butted heads on is like I'm just like the most direct person ever. 
Um, I'm just very direct. And if we're peers, which Julie and I were peers, right? We were, we were colleagues, we worked together. Um, I just like, I don't pet your hair until you're pretty. I'm just kind of like, hey, this wasn't done right. Hey, like we need to fix this or whatever, right? And like Julie did not like that. Like, um, and I think like you you had stories of like, instead of just me being like, hey, like this is wrong. It was like, this is wrong and you're bad and you suck and I hate you. Yeah. 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 When that was like not it at all. And I just like kind of go on with my life like da 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 da. Like, because I just like say, you know, I just like say things how they are. Um, Not with, never with an intention to hurt. And like, you were like, this bitch. (laughs) I was over here like stewing and crying and like, she hates me. I'm a horrible business partner. She thinks it would be better without me. Like my anxiety would just spiral as soon as somebody was like, yeah, this wasn't quite right. Like you're going to have to go back in and fix it. And I'm like, (gasps) I'm like eating a sandwich, like chilling, like no big deal. Like not never thinking about it again. And Julie's like. Turning it over and over in my head, like what? What, what was the inflection? Like, <laughs> gosh, it was so painful. Yeah. But I think but once yeah, we like I mean, realized that that's what what was like happening, it was like I was like, bro, like I'm never, I'm never think that. I think you're wonderful. I think you're great. It's just like if something's wrong, it's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. It's still wrong. Like I love that's you, all. but it's still wrong. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about you. It's just. You just happen to be yeah. the one who who did it. It's okay. <laughs> and it it helped me. I mean, that was not my first like run in with like critique or like correction, but mm-hmm. I, you know, between critique partners and beta readers and editors, like professional editors working with people, like even after rewriting it three times, I still found yeah. so many errors, you know, like mm, yeah, yeah. So it helped me. I was like, you know. I didn't love it. I don't love being wrong. No one loves it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't love not getting it right the first time, but I've stopped letting it stop me before I start. Like I've stopped letting fear of not doing it right paralyze me from even trying and just kind of like embrace, like I'm probably going to get it wrong the first time Mm -hmm. or the second time or the third time, but like eventually I'm going to get it right. And I'm, if this is something I really want to do that I'm passionate about, then like I have to do it. So you so can't good. wait until you've researched enough or, you know, took enough, taken enough classes or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Like I used to try to input all of this knowledge before I even started something so that the chances of failure were lower. Oh yeah. But there's always a chance of failure. So like eventually yeah. you just got to jump and then you learn. Yeah. And like not wanting to look stupid. Like, I mean, even just like stupid things like gym stuff or whatever. Like I was so, I just didn't want to look stupid. I wanted to perfect something before anyone ever saw it, you know, or be really decently good at it before anyone ever saw it. And it's just like, who cares? You know, like there's so much vulnerability and like, just kind of like, you know, failing out loud and, and stumbling through stuff. And not having this like perfect image of like everything I do is so great and perfect the first time, you know, like, cause that's just not real life. And it's so cliche. Like the whole like failure is like a teacher and, you know, like you need to fail. It's so cliche, but it's so damn true. And, and that can apply to anything, you know, it can apply to business. Like how many businesses have I had that friggin' failed? You know, I literally almost quit one of my businesses this year, you know, but uh, just because I'm like, I don't want to, like, it just didn't feel good, you know? Um, but it gave me opportunity to shift 
and try something different that maybe felt a little bit better. And, you know, actually having a business now that's like doing amazing and and feels really good and and all of that, uh, I wouldn't be here, right? I wouldn't be coaching other humans and like helping people to become their best selves um, had I not gone through all of the pain and suffering of all of those other, not just like the failures, but being in it, like being in the shit and like getting kicked in the mouth every single day. And some of these other businesses I have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Cause I mean, I think that especially in, in your field, right? Like who wants to take advice from somebody who's never had a hard day, <laughs> right? <laughs> who wants to be like, Oh, like, like I can help you. Like, because if you haven't been there, you know, like mm. I, there's, value and there's knowledge and there's so much to be gained from the hard times, Yeah, you know, and it's, it's ridiculous. And I know it's so like live, laugh, love, but like, if you haven't had bad days, how do you know when it's a good day? Like some, it's sometimes it, it sucks to suck, but sometimes it has to. Yeah. It's, it's about the contrast, right? Like we can't really know like the, the range, like the full range of our joy, if we haven't experienced like the depths of pain and that's just mm-hmm. like, life. Yep. It is. Yeah. I love it. So good, Julie. I'm again, I'm so proud of you. Like I'm just, I getting to like watch you and your process and like getting here and like you did the damn thing and I'm, I'm, your book is long. Okay. It's long as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I am, um, I'm like, um, close to halfway through it, I think, um, and enjoying it. So thank you. And yeah. So tell every, well, actually before that, like, let's go ahead and give us a quote. We like to end things on a quote. So if there's something that like has been speaking to you lately, or maybe that you just kind of like live by in general, if you can share with us. Oh, um, I think, I think one of the ones that I, this is so ridiculously self promo but not in an intentional <laughs> way, but one of the ones that I've really found like, it, like powerful lately is actually one that's from my book that I used in a lot of my marketing, which was, um, she realized that she could like reach the edge and then still like come back. Right. So like just that, that feeling that you can go as far as you think you can go. And then there's, you can still always do more, take more, accomplish mm-hmm. more. So, um, I like that. Yeah, probably That's that. good. I'm okay with self promo. <laughs> you know, just because it's from the book doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. And can you tell everyone where they can find you or they can find your book, all of that good stuff. Absolutely. So they can find me at according to Jules on uh, Twitter, Instagram, or unfortunately, TikTok. Um, they, <laughs> But mainly at juliezauthor.com. And there's links there to the book, to the bio. You can read the excerpt. Um, so all of all of my information is at my website. And if you go to any of my social media, there's links in all of the bios. So yeah, you can get and, to all the other places. And pages and pens on, on YouTube. And pages and pens on YouTube. If you want some accountability for whatever it is that you're doing Sunday <laughs> nights, you can come and be a I mean, and you do book reviews too. So, I mean, it's like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And book reviews as soon as I have time to read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. Well, Julie, thank you so much for coming on today. I, I love you so much. I'm, like I said, I'm endlessly proud of you. And I, I appreciate you for taking the time today for us. 
Thank you so, so much. I don't think there's a better cheerleader. I said it in my long form vlog. I don't think there's a better cheerleader or somebody better to have in your corner than you. So thank you for being that for me. If this episode hit with you, please go out there and share it. Share it in your Instagram stories, send it to a friend who might need it, or even just drop in my DMs on Instagram at Rose and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you guys. Thanks for listening.